Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a live edition of William Sports Talk. I am your host, Brian Tartar, and joined with co-host Jonathan Miklos. It is June, it is hot in the South, and the NBA Finals just got a little hotter. Just when you just when you thought Golden State took control of the series, up 3-1, to one, Draymond Green gets suspended. We're going to talk all about this. Will it impact Game 5? Will Golden State close it out at home? Uh, Vegas doesn't really think it matters. Looking at the point spread, it went from seven to six and a half, if I'm not mistaken. But we all know that he's worth more than a half a point because you have to factor in that defensive side of the ball he plays. And he's just, he's like a heartbeat. He's down to five and a half now, so it's made a point and a half difference. So that's a lot. And Kevin Love was out and affected a half a point. So that shows you the value of Draymond Green compared to, to Kevin Love. So um, if Cleveland wins game five, all of a sudden you get a game six in Cleveland, which is winnable. Anytime you have LeBron James, you have a shot. And then game seven, you never know. So there's a lot to talk about tonight. Jonathan, hope you're doing well. Good to have you on the show tonight. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's always great to be with you, Brian. Uh, just you know, a little bit of a day of uh, sombrance after what happened in uh Orlando, but uh, outside of that, it's been a good. It's been a good day. Uh, just uh, hoping Florida State can go ahead and uh, finish off Florida and punch their ticket to Omaha. Yeah, so, yeah we're very sad that here we go again with uh, radical Islamic terrorism. Some words that President Obama he can't get out of his mouth for some reason. Radical Islamic terrorism, John. Can you say that? Is that against the law to say those words, or? You know, I, I, I call them like I see them, and, uh, you know, to me, I agree. It was a radical Islamic terrorist, and uh, what he did was, uh, obviously, it was actually the worst uh, terrorist attack. And uh, since 9 11, and it's actually, I think, the worst mass shooting in, uh, I believe they called it recent U.S. history, uh, finally eclipsing the Virginia Tech one of 2007. And uh, it's a shame. I'm, uh, I've kind of been calling people yeah. all day, trying to see who I knew, and, and uh, if anybody. Was um was lost uh, definitely was oh, a shame we had a uh, moment of silence at six. Do you know anybody that was lost in the in this? Uh, so far, no. There's been one person I have not been able to get a hold of uh, today yet. Um, but um, I'm more of a sneaking suspicion that he's in mourning more than missing. Okay. Well, what I can't understand is. How a shooter, one shooter, can shoot that many people without somebody jumping? I mean, that's what I don't understand. And maybe the nightclub, you know, you're hearing the the music or whatever. But Johnson, I mean, is it just me? I mean, I'm nobody's really said this. I've, I haven't heard anyone speak about it. But if I'm in a, state, a place full of people and I see somebody opening fire, it's, I may die, but I'm going to go down at least trying. I'm not just going to run and hide and get shot. So why do you think people didn't charge him? Do you think they were scared? Do you think they were, you know, just shocked? Um, I definitely think there was an aspect of it. I mean, obviously, you know, it catches a lot of people off guard when it happens. 
Um, yeah. I, you know, there, there's the last thing you prepare for when uh, you're going out for the night to, to have a good time is for somebody to come in and uh, open fire. Uh, you know, and I definitely think also being the fact it was in a nightclub and, and you know, people have been drinking and all that, it probably uh, affected a, a lot of people's reactions to it. It's just, it's a, it, it's a damn shame. Yeah, it, you know, whether you support gays or, or support their lifestyle, I mean, that's beside the point. We're all Americans here. And, you know, an attack on on this club and all these people is an attack on America. And every one of us out there uh, were attacked and violated, and everyone should be in mourning. I know you see the stupid posts out there, Jonathan, with, oh, they got what they deserve, some some idiot in their trailer park under their mom's basement. I mean, just they're stupid people in the world. So I hope people don't think worse of Christians because people say, well, I'm a Christian and I'm, I'm glad this happened or something stupid. That's not what Christianity is about. But, Jonathan, anytime something like this happens, the stupid people come out and start talking on Twitter or something. It's just unbelievable how you, you don't think this is an attack on you. I mean, honestly, do you feel like this is an attack on you as well, Jonathan? This is your country. This is, this is where you live. Yeah, I do, and, you know, from what I understand, uh, the shooter actually came from my hometown uh, where I was born, so that's, that's a little bit jarring uh, when you hear that. And I, I've seen what happened. I feel like this is an attack on, um, you, know, my, you know, myself and uh, the country I love and, and I'm proud to be a part of. And uh, if, uh, if any of y'all were following my Twitter account, I was retweeting a, uh, a New York Times writer who uh, covers just al-Qaeda and ISIS. And she was kind of breaking down everything that was going on, and it's just this is a full systematic attack on everybody who does not follow their doctrine. And everybody, every every single human on this planet that does not fall in line with ISIS should be terrified of what they can do and should be angry at what they do and should all unite and try and take down this uh, group of evil. Yes, and it all starts at home with our president, um, Donald Trump said it right. You have to prevent people from coming in until you get a hold of what's going on, right? I mean, that's common sense, but leave it to Donald Trump to use this as a political agenda today, congratulating himself that he predicted something like, well, I mean, you don't have to be a genius to predict that <laughs> terrorism is going to happen in the United States the way it is. So, no, Donald Trump, you're not a genius, and shame on you for using this to benefit you politically. I mean, and you know, it's it's a loss. There's a lot of losses. And uh, see the parents out there. And I know this is a sports show, but when something like this happens, we're going to talk about it. I'm sorry. It's just I can do what I want to. Jonathan, you can do what you want to. We can talk mm-hmm. what we want to talk about. But seeing those parents out there worried to death about their children, text messaging them with them, knowing they were maybe dead in there, I, I cannot imagine the horror, the grief, the uh, and I've lost a child. So, I mean, it's, I just can't imagine what they what they were going through, Jonathan, knowing that they couldn't be there for their child and while they were getting shot. That just that just crushes my heart, man. Yeah, I I, I agree. And you know, obviously the the videos of of the parents and the siblings and the friends who uh, who who were just so heartbroken over it. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me. It um 
it definitely, you know, brought more of a reality to it. And with and with the week we've had with the passings of uh, such guys like uh, Muhammad Ali and, and Gordy Howe and Kimbo Slice, and Kimbo, Kimbo was somebody that, uh, um, you know, one of my close personal friends knew very well. And, and just the, the finality of death is hitting a lot of people this year. Uh, and people are getting terrified. And it's just, it hit, this it hit, world it hit, is just going it hit me last year. And it mm-hmm. hit me last, last couple of years. It's really hit me. And it's just, you know, you know, Muhammad Ali, Kimbo Slice. I actually fought him out in the streets one time. He passed away. Mm-hmm. You know, on YouTube. I'm, I, I beat him on YouTube, man. That's Kimbo. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, the street I, brawler. I was, that's one, that's, hey, I'm telling you, that's one guy I'd be afraid of. There's one guy I would never step foot around and say anything because he. <laughs> Uh, that guy just—it it sucks. Muhammad Ali, one of the best boxers of all time, passed away as well. And 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 Jonathan, you didn't even mention the act of terror. And I can't remember the girl's name from The Voice that won it. She was finding some autographs, and some guy came in and shot her, like, killed her. Happened in yeah. Orlando too. What is going on in Orlando, man? You you know that that's a great question. It's something I've been trying to figure out. Uh, from what I understand, they did detain the guy who shot uh, the the singer, um, and they said essentially he should have been in a mental institution, and he wasn't. And that 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 speaks to the issues that you know, and like you said, it's a sports show, but I am going to mention it does speak to the issues that we do have with our mental health care system, uh, because you know, I mean, you had the guy today with the shoot, you know, with the shooting of the, of the nightclub, and and he, uh, you know, there there was a belief there that. You know, he had some mental issues that needed to be taken care of, and everybody's kind of pushing it under the rug. It's uh, it's a darn shame what's going on. And you you had the thing in, in, over in France between uh, England and Russia, uh, right after their soccer match with the Russian fans storming the English fans and and, and starting an all-out brawl. It, it just th- this has been a really weird, hectic, apocalyptic kind of year. You know, I'm waiting for the asteroid to hit on December 12th. That this year might be the year where they were right. Well, let's bring Quinn on and, and see what he has to say. Quinn, welcome. What's going on? Hey. Hey, hey. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, thoughts, on, thoughts on the shooting? I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. It, it mm. was a matter of time. They're here. There's probably thousands of them here. There's mm-hmm. probably they're in every city. You're not anywhere outside of your house. You're not safe, and you better be on your guard wherever you go because mm-hmm. you're not safe. Yeah. So how do we how do we fix this problem, Quinn? I. Uh, the only way you're going to fix this problem is have war on American soil, and that's the only way it's going to get fixed now. There's thousands in this country, and they just ordered out a hit list where they're going out, to where they're going after thousands of people in 13 states, and they're all southern states. And what yeah, I've and they're heard, in the city, too, and they're naming the city in the state. That, that they're going yep. after as well. And I've heard most of them are uh, 
governing officials and higher ups. Yeah, I mean, and, Jonathan, and the you second job that you're typing, if you can meet yourself. Yeah, and the, and the place that and the place that they shot up last night, that was a place where you couldn't take weapons and stuff. So that goes yeah. to my theory is you should be able to take a gun anywhere you need to, to kill protection, and you can't. And the shooter knew knew that he's uh, he, he's done his research, he did his homework. This wasn't just some random guy coming off the street shooting. He had it planned out, and he knew that the security guards there didn't have guns either. So, yeah. so he came in with these automatic weapons, and guns aren't the problem, Quinn. It's people are the problem. McDonald's yeah. will kill you if you eat it every day. It makes you fat and you die. But McDonald's yeah. didn't force you to, to eat it, you know? Yeah, people are the problem, but we need to tighten up our ways to get guns because he got it legally, and, wait, he was on the FBI list. How in the hell... Does a guy that's on like a wanted list get a gun legally? How does he get through that process? Yeah, they said he bought it a couple of days ago, Jonathan. Maybe just several days ago, he got he bought a gun. Yeah, I, that that intrigued me. Granted, he actually worked for G4S, which is a a, a global security company. So I'm pretty sure that's how he passed his background check. But he okay. should know. I mean, there was yeah. there was a, a, a history supposedly of him being abusive towards his wife. Um, this whole situation it stinks, and I'm I'm with you. I think they do need to go ahead and, and clean up the 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 per, You know, I've mean, I've sold uh, shotguns and rifles before. I understand the process involved in that, and I do think that the process does need to be cleaned up a little bit. Uh, just from the standpoint of if you're on an FBI watch list, I don't care who you work for. You shouldn't be allowed to get anything. Uh, you shouldn't be allowed to get fertilizer. Uh, you know, that, that that is my belief <laughs> at this point. Because uh, we just see it time and time again. Well, he was on the FBI watch list. Well, that helped us now. I mean, he's already dead and took a bunch of people with him. So, yeah, him being on the watch list really helped out. You know, and they're saying, well, you know, it's hard to put surveillance on all of them. It is and until they all are on social media. The best thing, of, I mean, and, and I, I want this to be taken, I'm not supporting ISIS, I'm just saying the best thing that ISIS has done is that they've put everything on social media. And in well, doing so... they don't so, give a fuck. They don't yeah. give a... They don't you, give a flip as the thing. You can monitor them. They let you know, hey, we're here, just check it out. And they know there's a pattern here. The pattern is if they start putting out freaky, weird uh, Islamic ISIS stuff, on a day, that day they're going to commit something. You know, and supposedly that is now the tracker. San Bernardino, the guy in uh, was it Cleveland, Texas. This guy apparently they all on the, on the same. You know, when the day they were going to do something, they started posting weird Islamic things on their wall, and nobody thought twice. Well, I mean, if you're the FBI watch list, the FBI should see that and go, "Hey, y'all need to go get a hold of this guy because something weird is about to happen." You know, but nobody does well, you that. Know, June, you know, the month of June is. Uh is gay celebration, and I think someone in Los Angeles was arrested that had uh, weapons that was going to the, he was going to the parade, and God knows what he was going to do once he got there, but yeah, there's so right. many of them, like Quinn said, that's in this country right now, there's so many, that it is going to be hard to have surveillance now, and Quinn's right, I mean, the only way you can stop this first, you got to keep it from coming in, and you got to have a fight right here on the land, you against us, and that's what it's got to be. 
You against well, us on our soil. We're going to keep you out, but now we're going to fight you to the end. Yeah, so I, mean, but, I think you're right. But the, but the problem is right now is mm-hmm. that is they have they have automatic weapons. People are carrying around pistols to to protect themselves. You go up against you go up against the automatic weapon against the pistol that people are carrying around. You're most likely not going to win. The thing is, is they're going to have to get their own military, National Guard, whoever's here in each city with armed tanks ready to go. That's what <laughs> that's what it's going to come down to. We're going to be we're going to we're going to have to have people like you see in other countries scared for their lives with military all around. That's what it's going to come down to. We're going to have to have armed military guys ready to go with tanks ready to take them out because you best believe that ISIS is going to come over here and you know what you see in the Middle East with them with jeeps driving around they're already here they're already here man well that's what they're going to come with is jeeps with machine guns on them driving around shooting whatever they can well here's the problem Jonathan is is, and and, and we're going to talk sports in a minute I promise you but the problem is, is you know, these people in America are already in America, and maybe they were born in America, but they're starting to convert to radical Islam, and they're starting mm-hmm. to work for ISIS here. So what you have to do is really monitor people's social media. You have to monitor phone calls. You have to stop it on our soil. They're not going to fly in on a plane here and land and come in. They're already here. So that's the scary part, but 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 mm-hmm. these guys work off fear. You can't be afraid to go go places. You can't be afraid of these pussies. I mean, really, that's what they are. They're cowards. They have no purpose in life. So you have to keep living your life the way you live it. But I'm telling you, if I'm in a place and I see some little bastard with a gun, if I go to heaven, I go to heaven earlier. So, but I'm going to try to protect someone. I mean, and you know what, Quinn? You said the pistols. Ten people with pistols against a person with an automatic weapon. Those ten pistols will win. So I'm going to go out trying, and I'm not going to be afraid to go somewhere because of a bunch of coward pussies. I'm sorry, Jonathan. Well, I started talking to my parents about getting myself a pistol and getting open carry, or even just having one in my apartment. Mm -hmm. I've talked to, I've talked, I've thought about talking to my parents about that. I think I'm going to get the apartment, license. My, uh, my my family is very pro gun, and uh, there's uh, there's plenty available with within access to the house in pretty much any room. Um, so you know, I don't need to worry about you know I, I I'm working on my because we do concealed carry in Florida. And, you know, Florida we we do have the law where I think it's if 51 if at least 51 percent of your uh, your sales are alcohol based, uh, you're not allowed to carry a handgun in there. So essentially, if you have a gun, you can't be at a bar with it. That's the rule, main rule in Florida. You can't be at bars. You can't be at schools. Um, so, it, and they, they you know, two we, open targets right there, schools and, I, and bars. They can come oh, in with an automatic weapon and just kill people. Oh, that's yeah. Well, schools are the main target. those places. I, I agree. I, I think, uh, you know, and this has been brought up before, and I think it's a fantastic idea of hiring uh, a returning um, servicemen 
who don't have jobs and don't you know don't have much going on once they get out, hiring them to uh, to work security at the schools and to protect our, our children, protect the future. I, I'm I'm full full behind that. You're killing two birds with one stone there. Now I do want to provide a warning. Uh, it's Ramadan. I don't know if y'all know that. And and Ramadan, uh, that's the time when ISIS and uh, Al Qaeda, who's kind of gone to the the way back, but they're gonna ramp up their attacks during uh, this month. Um, not sure why, but that's what they like to do. And, and you have the Euro tur- soccer tournament going on uh, over in France right now. We already saw what happened in France not too long ago. I mean, there's gonna be something happening. Something big gonna happen in France. Very, very soon. I mean, you talk about the hit list of the United States and everything, and, you know, they've changed their doctrine from we're trying to make statements to, I just kill everybody. You know, and now the, the, literally what they preach is we don't care who you kill. If they're not with us, just kill them. Women, children, all of them, just kill them all. So um, I, I think France is in dire, you know, they're they're in trouble. I think they're in some crosshairs. Uh, I think you're going to see atta- another attack here. I mean, it's 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 going to be something to witness. It really is. Think about it. It's, it's, it's going to blow. Said, they, these guys have, you know, in the South, they're wanting to hit right now. And I'm surprised it hasn't happened that a football game hasn't been attacked like a bomb. You get 100,000 people together, and, you know, that's where we what we have to worry about. Any kind of large location that, you know, to be on TV, whether there's a lot of people like a Super Bowl or all-Star game, NBA All-Star game, Major League Baseball Stadium. When that's that's what I fear the most is being somewhere like that, and yeah, that, that's well, where it's, it's like more likely be, to happen. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough getting that stuff through security at a sporting event in the U.S. I think they're gonna go after. Me? I can walk. I walk. Are you kidding me? Security guard at a game, really? These guys don't know what they what they're doing. I flip my twenty and get in any game I want to. They're not like they're not they're not frisking you at a ball game, are they? I don't remember being frisked or. Well, in Florida, you go through two metal detectors uh, to get to the trial. Um, and yeah, but you know, these guns, but but these guns are being made where they're not being picked up. Right. Are these bombs I mean, and, and things? During the Paris attack, they tried to get into that stadium and set off a bomb because the Francis president was in there. I want to say there was a couple other higher-ups from Germany, too. And they couldn't get in, and that's why they detonated them outside the stadium. I'm just going to be completely frank here. Go to one of the southern states. and and, go, go, Go to Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee. Go to any of them. And look suspiciously like you might be an I you ain't getting in. Your, your ticket was just invalidated. I mean, let, let's let's be on one of the. You know, they, everybody says like the worst thing. One of the best things about the South is people look at stereotypes a little bit harder. And when you see an Arab walking up to Bryant Denny, you know there's thirty thousand other people who've already stopped, looked, and pulled out the twelves, and they're waiting for him to sneeze wrong. You know, and, and that that's that that's one of the things. They're not gonna get near a sporting event in the southern states. I, I guarantee it right now, they're not. Maybe if you go in the in the northwest, maybe if you go in Canada, maybe you can get a hold. Yeah, but you can't no, tell the, them apart the, no, now. The thing I mean, about like from... them though is if you see them, the ISIS, they're not they're not gonna try and hide themselves, I don't think. 
they're going to already be firing by the time you see them. That that's how they're that's how they're going to get attention. They'll already be firing. I don't think they're trying to hide. Like I said, I don't think they give a crap. They don't care if they die. They're going to go out guns blazing. Whenever they see someone, they're going to start yep. firing. They plot a plan. They go. It's not like they wait and that's, when they get to the place the they want to attack. That's the scary part. Like Quinn like yep. said, they have nothing to lose. They they feel like they're going to heaven um, where they get 13 fat virgins or something that I, that I hear about. But they have nothing to lose, Jonathan. Where you have your life, your family, um, you want to play sports, you want to watch football, these guys do not care. And when you're up against somebody that doesn't care, that's a very dangerous, dangerous person. So here's the deal. Let's just get control on our own soil, but do not be afraid. Do not be afraid because terrorism thrives off fear. Um, let's have faith that this country will elect the right person for president. And because I'm afraid if Hillary Clinton comes in here, you never know. I don't know how they're going to be afraid of her. But at least I think Donald Trump will put a – I mean, he may be stupid and crazy, but I don't think he's afraid to pull the trigger. So, and he, he's calling the state a spade right now. He's not trying to sugarcoat it. And calling it violence and hate, yeah, it is. It's radical Islamic terrorism. And, and and until I hear that out of our president's mouth, I'm just going to stare and keep doubting him and doubting him. Because we have to stop it from the top. We have to have our military strong. Our military is not strong as it used to be, but we're going to get it geared back up. But, guys, all right, that's a 30-minute rant on all these morons out there. But, I mean, it's just... It's just so hard. People think you're a racist if you if you don't like them, Jonathan, or if you question them or something. That's the problem in our country. People they won't say anything and afraid of being a hater. And the next thing you know, somebody's opening up a gun, opening up fire on you. Quinn, does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people just think you're grouping all Muslims together, which some people do, but I mean. Uh, I mean, I don't they're think all, yeah, for the most part that people. Yeah. yeah, there's some great uh, Muslim people, Jonathan. I mean, but it's, it's the fact is, if you question anything, though, it's just like your people are afraid to stay in age. They're afraid they'll lose their job. They're afraid they'll be blasted on the Internet for, for being a hater or something. But I just think it, people are going to have to stand up and start fighting. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, 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 the fight's on. Yeah. We don't we don't sit back and get shot. Everybody go purchase a gun and and uh, <laughs> let, let's get it on. As, as Marty Gay said, let's get it on. Uh, yeah. Well, speaking of getting speaking of getting it on, guys, the NBA Finals Game Four. A lot of happens as we've been on here, but mm-hmm. here we are, Cleveland in a three-one hole right now. I'm a little bit surprised. I thought Cleveland would put up more of a fight than this. But Jonathan, Cleveland's just outmatched, especially when it comes to the bench. They they, they have no answers. I mean, Cleveland mm-hmm. is not going to win another game in this series, with or without Green. It doesn't matter. They're not going on the road and winning a place. They've only done it once in the playoffs so far. I think they lost. I think they, well, let me take that back. They, they should have lost some road games, but they played very bad on the road. But do you think Cleveland can come in and steal game five with Green getting suspended? And then we'll go talk about that suspension. 
I think that uh, his suspension does help out Cleveland because he has proven to be a matchup nightmare uh, for the Cavaliers. Um, I, I think it really could affect the game because he works as their secondary point guard. He allows Steph to move around and get open to spot up. Uh, so, losing Draymond, I think you're going to see a little more Sean Livingston tonight, which, I mean, he's been fantastic in this series in his own right. Cleveland. Tomorrow night. Right. Uh, yeah, tomorrow night, my goodness. Uh, so, you know, with with Cleveland, man, I mean, I, I thought, I, you know, I mean, I'm probably one of the few who said this is going to be a you know, five or six. You know, and my, my, my true belief was five. I think they'd split in Cleveland and go back. Uh, to Oakland and, and shut it down. LeBron's got to dig deep. I mean, he's got to channel that LeBron that showed up last year, that put together one of the best finals performances I've ever seen by anybody. The guy who averaged 35, 12, and 10. I mean, he's got he's to come out and do that tonight. There were too many times in game four where he sat there and just watched Kyrie dribble. Kyrie cannot be allowed to sit there and dribble the ball. He's not great at creating his own shot. You gotta get put the ball in LeBron's hands. LeBron's gonna demand that ball. And say, hey, I'm the leader. I'm the best player in the game. You give me that. I'll set it up. Get out of my way. I got this. And he's not doing it right now. He's not a certain LeBron. And I don't know if he's trying to make a statement and say, look, I can't win with these two bums. Uh, you know, me and Kevin and Kyrie or what? But he's got to figure it out because he wants to be great. He's gotta win. Well, he's starting to snap a little bit. He's starting to be frustrated with, you know, LeBron. Yeah, he's in the six straight finals, but the problem is he can't win. That's LeBron. He can't close it out. And everybody always blames other players, Irving Love, but nobody ever talks about LeBron James. And let's let's face it, he, he went missing in game four. I thought, you know, Curry's been missing games one through three, and all of a sudden LeBron goes missing four, and nobody's talking about it, really. But you can tell the way he's, he's getting chippy. He's wanting to fight. He's, he's just frustrated. And, man, he loses this one. I think it does tarnish his legacy. I mean, he's the Buffalo Bills, really. You know, people like that, the the Cleveland, any kind of Cleveland team that can't win it, Jonathan. You've been six times, but, yeah, you won two. I mean, that's that's not good for one of the best players of all time, which makes me believe he's not one of the best. Right, and you'll notice every time they lose, he finds a scapegoat. And that's what kind of bothers me with LeBron, is that he'll find, you know, but when they lost in 2011 to uh, to Dallas, well, you know, Chris Bosh. Well, what about Chris? You know, Chris played pretty well for being the third guy, but Chris Bosh is a scapegoat. They beat OKC. Everybody was great. They beat San Antonio in 2013. They had no business winning that, but everybody was great. 2014, nobody showed up. Well, I didn't, you know, I didn't really want to come back and, you know, you know, this and that. But you're like, what, what are you doing last year? Well, I didn't have Kevin and Kyrie this year. Well, I have Kevin and Kyrie. It's like, well, can we once just look at it and go, I'm not doing well enough as a leader. I'm not performing well enough. I'm not shooting well enough. I'm not playing good enough defense. I've got to fix Because let's face it, he's the head coach and the general manager. I mean, he's built that team. He picked the head coach. LeBron's got to take more accountability for his actions on this, like the other ones in the past, the other great ones. What have your Michaels, your Magics, your Larrys? They all would have said there's something I'm not doing right. LeBron's not really doing that. Yeah, and I'm noticing, and Quinn, you can you can tell me if I'm wrong. I think LeBron James is out of shape. I watch him play, and I know with age you get slower. I get that, but he looks slow. 
He looks fat to me. He looks out of shape. He just doesn't look hungry. And I think it's all conditioning. Golden State is just so hard to defend because they pass the ball so much when and they hit these threes, they wear you down, they, they penetrate at you, they dish it out. I mean, is LeBron in shape? Is he in good enough shape to, to win a seven-game series over a team like Golden State? Because we know Golden State's in shape. Oh, uh, I mean, <laughs> at least to me, LeBron doesn't look fat. He might, he, uh, if he gets older, he might have too much muscle mass. Muscle mass, if you're carrying it. That's what I meant. He just kind of looks, that's what I meant. Like, he just looks too big. Like, he, there's not an ounce of fat on him. He, he may be, you're right, too much muscle, but he just looks slower to me. He just looks. Like he's in slow motion and hesitant to take the ball. Well, part of that might have to do with age. Part of my part of that might have to do with him not wanting to be labeled a ball hog or trying to give some guy some other guys opportunities. But I don't know. That would be yeah. only a question that LeBron James could answer. Well, Jonathan, you can answer it for me. You've watched him play this series. He, he's been well-rested. Does he look in shape to you? Um, I, I'm going to kind of agree with both y'all and say I, I think LeBron needs to slim down. Um, obviously, we're not cutting fat here. I mean, God, his, you know, his, his, his ratio is probably as, about as good as you can get for somebody who weighs north of 240. Um, you know, I think it's time LeBron kind of scales back a little bit. I think he would recover some of the speed. Uh, and, you know, if he, you know, tried to scale back from, let's say, I want to say he's playing at like 250 now, 245, 250. If he could scale back into the 230s, like 230, 235, I think he could get an extra burst back. You know, I mean, he's just so big and strong and such an athletic freak that you knew sooner or later it was going to start to wear him down. He was going to have to start cutting back. And I think for LeBron, his best, though, would be to slim down a little bit and he'd get an extra step. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. That's a great point. But he just – he looks slow when he gets the ball and goes to the hole. He's not as effective because he doesn't have that – he doesn't have that explosiveness like he I'm used to seeing. And, and maybe it's just Golden State so fast that you're used to watching those little guys run around the court that makes him look slow. But let's go to Draymond Green's suspension. You know, in OKC, he should have been suspended for game six, right? Am I right? In game six, Draymond Green kicked uh, game five. He kicked someone in the balls. They didn't do anything Steven about Adams. it. Steven Adams. But all of a sudden, he comes back this game, didn't really do anything. Now he's suspended for game five. Is this the NBA saying, okay, we know Cleveland can't win here unless Green's out. We want to make it go longer. Why now? Why should Sting Green? And, and did he deserve it, Jonathan, for this one? Well, I think if you suspend Draymond, you kind of got to suspend LeBron, too. LeBron, hey, LeBron knocked him to the, you know, you watch the video, LeBron took him down. All right, and then LeBron, instead of going around and besides, I'm going to walk over him. I'm going to have my Allen Iverson moment. <laughs> Draymond's already proven he ain't going to take that from nobody. So, of course, he slapped you in the gimmicks. What did you think he was going to do? He looked up, saw your gimmicks on, on the back of his head, you know, on his head, and went, oh, oh, hell no. And went, bop, move. You know, it's what, it, 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 what anybody else would have done in that situation. That's, that's a man's code. That's just testosterone in us saying, nah, ain't no man going to go step over me and start rubbing his gimmicks all up in my hair. 
right? So I think LeBron's the guy who's the instigator. I don't think Draymond should have gotten suspended for that. I agree, though, with the Stephen Adams thing. That was a suspension worthy. And here's the – people are trying to make Draymond look like a victim in all this. And I, I'm not trying to make him look like a victim. I'm trying to make him look like he's equal party because he's dirty. There's no doubt about it. He plays with this huge chip on his shoulder. He plays with that playground puck mentality. You hated playing against the guy because he was really good, but you know he was going to pull some really crap stuff. You know, he, he, he was the one who was untying your shoes and trying to pull your draws. You know, I mean, he messed with you. So I, I think, you know, the suspension, I don't know. I don't like the conspiracy theory about it, but it does kind of butter it up for that. Well, well, I didn't really see it. I saw some pictures and stuff, but uh, it was his second strike. He did one thing, mm-hmm. then he retaliated to what LeBron did. It was his second strike. So, well, I'm with I'm with Jonathan. If if you suspend him for that, then he should suspend LeBron. But he should have been suspended. Back in the OKC series, had that happened, okay, there's no way Golden State beats OKC in game six, John. There's a 0% chance without him they beat them. Would you agree with that? Uh, no, because let's not forget game six, they hit 17 three-pointers. Uh, yeah, and it was mainly Clay. Who set them up? Yeah, I think I think Livingston and Iguodala could have done that that night. That those the Steph and Clay were just so locked in. I think they're winning that game almost no matter what. I really do. They're just uh, you hit seventeen threes the way they did. You just sit there and go, holy, you know. I mean, good, good gracious. So game seven, let's say he's suspended for game seven. Yeah, OKC wins. Game five, OKC wins. Uh, game six, I think, was the only game in that series where you're like, just throw it out of controller. It's over. You know, I'm not winning this. Let's just walk away. Um, you know, and I think, though, that Draymond, that, that effect could happen tonight. I think Cleveland could shut them down defensively. They should be a close game uh, tomorrow night, I mean. It should be a close game. And I'm tired of love getting all the blame in Irving. I'm, I'm sick of people blaming Kevin Love for Cleveland's inadequacy. I mean, I'm Sick and tired of nobody coming against King James, LeBron James. And I mean, bro, you handpicked him. You wanted him there. You went and got him. You you coached. Like you said, you're the GM. You got all the pieces you wanted around you. And you're getting you can't beat the West. That's that's just the problem right now. He cannot beat the West. Jonathan, does he leave Cleveland if they lose in this series? And if they, he does, where do they go? If he doesn't, what do they do? Oh, that's tantalizing. That is tantalizing. I don't think LeBron would leave because I think he would honestly be afraid of uh, press on his life. I don't think he can. I, I, I honestly believe he cannot leave Cleveland. <laughs> um, now, I agree. I'm tired of Kevin Love getting all the blame. Kevin Love is great at defensive rebounding and stretching the floor offensively. They've kind of taken that away from him. They've almost told him, go sit in the corner, we'll pass you the ball four times a game. You know, and not for nothing. LeBron, you traded Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love, you idiot. I mean, you're the moron in all this. You were getting Andrew Wiggins, where was like, oh, no, no, let's get Kevin Love. We had Chris Bosh, so we need Kevin Love. Moron, if you had Andrew Wiggins instead of J.R. Smith, I think you'd be doing just fine. You're not even playing Shumpert anymore. You got him $45 million. Tristan Thompson's been, you know, I mean, has he been good on the glass? Yeah, but offensively, he's kind of just hanging there. And you got him, what, $80 million? 
you know, their best bet is to try and trade Kevin Love and get a piece. Honestly, honestly, I think a, a deal that they should they should try to swing. I don't care how many first round pick it takes. Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving to the Clippers for Paul and Griffin. Chris Paul and LeBron want to play together. There's no doubt about that. And I think the Clippers would jump Kyrie for Paul because he's younger. And love for Griffin. Love goes to L.A. He's your spot three guy. They're going to use him right. You know, he doesn't have to play defense because DeAndre's there. You bring Blake in, and he, he works there. Now he's got a mid-range game. You can space the floor. He's your small ball five. I think that deal, uh, in theory, would work for both sides. Honestly, you know, because it's bad for Kevin to play with LeBron, and he needs to get out. I'm surprised he resigned last year. I don't think he should have resigned. Yeah, I've never seen anyone take the heat as this guy has for LeBron Quinn. Every time LeBron fails, it was Kevin Love's fault. No, it's Irving's fault. No, it's Kevin Love's fault. Kevin Love's the most—he's the most abused player I've ever seen in basketball. Like, man, I mean, I hope there's an extra part in this contract that says if you take responsibility for all the losses, you'll get this much more money. Quinn, I, I don't know what. Yeah. You and I don't even think Kevin Love's that bad of a player. I I think Love's a good player. He's a good player. Yeah. He's they do Wiggins, the same though. things. Like... Same things people were saying about Bosch after they lost the first title. These are the same things <laughs> that people were – I mean, that that's the amazing thing. They, we've seen this before. Chris Bosch was slaughtered after they lost to Dallas. It was all Bosch's fault. Bosch this, Bosch that. They'll never win with Chris Bosch. Now, Kevin Love replaced Chris Bosch. And I'm not mistaken, LeBron's got two rings, and Chris Bosch was a huge part of that, massive part of that. So – why? Why keep attacking Kevin? What has Kevin done to you? He had a great regular season. He had a phenomenal regular season. Okay, he's been, if you use him right, he's fine. I'm with you, Brian. I'm sick of Kevin getting all the brunt of this. Okay, I have this question. If players see, oh, um, like, love getting bashed, why would Chris Paul and Blake Griffin want to go there if if they think they can't even, if they can't win a championship there, and then they would get the blame. Why would you want to go there just to get all the blame? You know what well, I'm saying? Well, I mean, that might turn people in, away. In case you do, in case you do win, because these guys are egotistical guys. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're egomaniacs. Yeah, but it's not like that's they, true. They believe in their mind they can do it. They believe, okay, I'm better than this person, but it really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, if, if CP3 and LeBron weren't such good friends, I, I, w- I, you know, I wouldn't even think it's a thought. Um, you know, and they're, yeah, they're, 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 and I don't know if you remember the banana boat thing where Dwayne Wade, Chris Paul, LeBron, I want to say it was Carmelo, all like took a vacation with their wives together. Um, they're, they're, they're all really good friends. So that's why I'd recommend CP3. I think Blake needs to get out of L.A. The only reason why I brought him up. Heck, I thought of a three-way deal. Get LeBron, get Carmelo into Cleveland and send Blake to New York. You get LeBron and Carmelo and Paul together, they all love each other. They all want to play together. And LeBron wants to play with guys he played on Team USA with. That, that's the best thing. You know, that's, that's the one thing LeBron wants. And that's why it's yeah. so easy to read him. He wants to play with people that he's won gold medals with. Yeah. Well, Wade also... 
Well, Wade and LeBron also are really good friends. But the thing is, is Wade's been in Miami his whole career. I don't think he would leave Miami. Neither do I. The only team Wade would leave Miami for is Chicago, and that's because it's home. That's where his kids are. Yep. And Wade has has rings. Wade has a few rings. So he actually has more rings than LeBron. Doesn't he have more rings than LeBron? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think LeBron he's content. Has been with the Wade. Yeah. Yeah. Wade, Wade uh, beat Dallas. Yeah. Well, let's move on from the NBA to college football, and I'm going to give you an interesting bet I made this past week. Um, I have a $100 bet on Alabama losing three ball games this year. Am I dumb or am I on the risky. That's risky, Brian. Oh, no. Well, it's called gambling. Yeah, it's called gambling. So let me, let me do this. Well, let me let me pull up their schedule real quick, and I'll tell you how uh, I got it. How, how nuts I, I got think it you are. I'm going to go over it. I'm going to go over okay. it right now. Neutral side, they play Southern Cal. Mm-hmm. That's a then win. They play West, then they play Western Kentucky at home. Well, that's a win. loss. Then they go. Then they go to Ole Miss. That's a win. Then they're home against Kent State, home against Kentucky, at Arkansas, at Tennessee. Home against Texas A&M, at LSU, home against Mississippi State, Chattanooga, and Auburn. I think with the offensive line problems, the running back problem, the quarterback problem, I think this is a very tough schedule, guys. I think this is a very tough schedule. Well, let me let me go by this. If Arkansas is playing like Arkansas, when they go there, they can lose that game. Tennessee, I definitely would have circled. LSU, even though they have a bye week right before it, I definitely have that circled. And yeah. I mean, Ryan, you know how I feel. You know, every year it's uh, it's War Eagle over Roll Tide. Yeah, and Ole Miss. That Ole Miss with with a team that's owned them the last two years with a great quarterback. I mean, look, mm. here's losable games on their schedule. Southern Cal is a losable game. I don't care what anybody says, and I'll tell you why. Because they get some great athletes. They're top ten recruiting every year. That's Southern California. Western Kentucky is not as bad as people think. Now go back and look at them. Those two aren't going to look at Ole Miss, at Arkansas, at Tennessee, at LSU. Those are four road games right there with all of them could be a loss. Any one of these teams, at Ole Miss, at Arkansas, at Tennessee, at LSU, any of those could be a loss. Now you look at their home schedule with Kent State, Kentucky, uh, Auburn, and Mississippi State, and A&M, Texas A&M. I'm just saying, I think this is the year, and this is a, a gamble, like, like Quinn said. I think this is the year that Alabama gets those three losses, maybe four. Who knows? But, again, you never know until you see the quarterback play. How's the quarterback going to do? The offensive line is the reason I made this bet, Quinn, along with the schedule. I think they're going to struggle with the offensive line. They lost their center, Ryan Kelly, four-year starter. I just don't think they have the depth there right now. Well, the thing is, is they 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 return quite a bit on defense. We've been asking for the past what two? Uh, yeah, this would be going on the third year. What's their quarterback situation going to be like? And it's been, and it's been fine. It's been, they've worked it out. Oh, they got lucky. They got lucky. 
Well, well, no matter what it is, if you're a senior, Florida State deserves half that rank. Yeah, and, and hold on. Let's go over Auburn's schedule. I'm gonna show you the difference between Auburn and Alabama's schedule this year. Mm-hmm. And, and every three every three years, Auburn seems to pull a, a monkey out of their hat somewhere. So let's the Clemson game to start with. That's a tough game. Yeah. I don't care what time it is. Just say Auburn loses that game. Just say they lose to Clemson. They're still undefeated in the SEC. Now let's go through their schedule. Home against Arkansas State. Home against Texas A&M. Home against LSU. Home against Louisiana Monroe at Mississippi State, a team without Dak Prescott rebuilding. Home against Arkansas at Ole Miss. Home against Vanderbilt at Georgia, Alabama A&M, and then at Alabama. I mean, Auburn has a chance, I think. And tell me what you guys think. I'll start with you, Jonathan. Auburn has a chance to gain some momentum early in the season with those five games at home before they they hit the road and test it. They they do not have two road games in a row, and that's. That's a lot. That's big. If you think about that, Auburn does not play two road games in a row. And I think that kind of protects them from having that three or four game losing streak, Jonathan. I think Auburn, if they can win early, they could be around towards the end. I'm with you on that. I hear the schedule. When I hear Clemson and LSU early, and obviously those can both be tough games. The best thing about uh, the LSU game is that it's in Jordan Hare. Uh, they could they could definitely take that sure. game, and then they have a nice stretch where it's just let let's see how the team gels. And if they're if they're rolling, my goodness, you know, all, you know, they they get to face Ole Miss, and hypothetically, both teams should be gelled. Okay, I still like Auburn more than like Ole Miss, and granted, that's because we play you know, Florida State plays Ole Miss this year, so I'm just hoping they suck, but. Uh, I, I think Auburn gets the better of them. I I don't know what to expect from Georgia, but it's not a lot of good. Uh, and then Alabama, like I said, I, I'm thinking I'm thinking Auburn gets Bama this year. So well, I, can I, I think can Auburn. Say something real quick. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I say something real quick, Jonathan? People yeah. think Clemson. People think you know there's a big difference from a Clemson team playing in the Final Four and in the championship to the Clemson in the summertime right here in September playing their first game. This is not the same team. I don't care if you have the exact same players. That's not the same team. Every identity right. changes. Every season's different. Clemson's not going to come in, I don't think, and put up 40, 50 points. I mean, it's the first game of the season. They, they've lost a lot of defense. If Auburn somehow finds a quarterback, they've got a chance to pull an upset in that game. This is not the Clemson team that played Alabama. I just want to throw that out there. Like People just yeah. think all of a sudden Clemson's mm-hmm. going to beat Auburn by three touchdowns because they made the national championship last year. Well, that's just going to feel Auburn even more. Nine o'clock Eastern home game at night against Clemson. That's just a setup game for Clemson. If you need Jonathan, and if you lose, you're supposed to lose anyway. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and my biggest concern is the quarterback play. If Auburn has quarterback mm-hmm. play, they they could win it all. I mean, that's really the only thing I'm concerned about. The defense, I think, is going to be. It's going to be the best defense I think Auburn has had in a long time. I think I think the offense outside of quarterback play is going to be good. I think the offensive line will be good. They'll have a lot of wide receiving talent, and then we have good running backs. It's going to all come down to quarterback play. I think that's, that's exactly – Nate Craig Myers, Jonathan, I think he's a player. You know a little bit about that guy. Uh, 
They got a phenomenal right. receiver. They said they said Auburn hadn't had a receiver of that caliber since I can't remember ever coming out of high school. But but it's so hard to predict right now. You can look at this Auburn team, Jonathan, and say five and seven. I mean, they could be they could be six and six. They could be nine and three. But you don't know until you see that quarterback and how the team gels. In 2010, if you remember, Jonathan, I know Quinn remembers. Auburn with Cam Newton, they started off slow. I mean, they, but they played all these games at home, and they all of a sudden they're six, seven, and zero, and they're starting to get their identity. In 2004, yeah. the same thing. In 2013, the same thing. So you really don't know, do you, Jonathan? That first game or two, you don't know who you're going to be. We'll know, it's, it's really yeah. we'll know, don't lose the we'll games in conference. The don't lose. Quinn, I'm talking, please. That, that that conference games right here are the ones you can't lose, Jonathan. Those are the ones early in the season mm-hmm. you can't lose. You can lose the Clemson. Mm-hmm. You just can't lose A and M, LSU, and teams like that early in the season. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. I definitely agree with you. And I remember the 2013 team. How uh, they started slow. You, you're you're dead right on that. That that team looked like. You know, after, after let's say the first month, you're like, oh, this might be an eight, an eight four year. You know, there's there's obviously some things here that you know need to be worked out. And, all, and they got hot and they started rolling. Uh, 2010, you're right, same thing. You know, they they all of a sudden the offense just kicked it into another gear and it was boom, boom, gone. You know, I mean, I witnessed it in 2013 with Florida State when you know we were starting a redshirt freshman at quarterback, uh, and the whole thing was, I like this kid, but how good is he gonna be? And he looked good against Pittsburgh. You're like, okay. Looks good against Nevada. You're like, all right. You know, some division, Savannah State. All right, whatever. You know, let's wait for Clemson. And we played Maryland. And the way we smoked Maryland, all of a sudden, we went, wait a minute. Clemson should be worried. And that was, I want to say, week six. And that's right about the time you'll notice with most of these college teams, if, if they're going to compete, they're going to win a game between, let's say, week five and week seven. They're going to win one. And you're just going to stop and go, well, hold on. This team's got something here. You know, when Clemson beat Florida State, I think everybody sat there and went, ah, oh, crap, Clemson's actually good. Uh, you know, Oklahoma didn't really have that game because their conference is so wacky. Uh, Michigan State, when they beat Michigan, everybody went, wait a minute. This team could actually hypothetically make a run. You know, Alabama, at some point last year, we all stopped and went, oh, crap, they're going to do this again. You know, so I think it's really that second month of the year where you notice the team gel. They have a big win and you get behind them. And I think you're right. And I think Auburn has the way their schedule is built. They have that chance where they're going to get that big win because they've been able to kind of roll to it. Granted, though, like we like we already talked about, Clemson and LSU in the first month. I mean, that that's brutal. Uh, luckily, they're both at Jordan Hare. They're both going to be night games unless CBS steals the money against LSU, which I doubt. So those are going to be two huge tests. Yeah, see, those are going to be two huge tests. Uh, But Auburn's schedule, you're right, does go favorably for them. Hey, Quinn, Quinn, you remember two years ago when when Auburn was coming after that 2013 season, remember that schedule they had with at Georgia, at Alabama, at Kansas State, at Mississippi State, at Ole Miss? Do you remember that year, two years ago? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, the difference is this year, to me, Kansas State's not on the schedule. Instead of playing Kansas State on the road, you got Clemson at home, okay? And now, instead yeah. of Mississippi State and Ole Miss being at, a, at their peak, I don't think they will be. And But you still got Georgia to deal with on the road, which is always tough. Auburn seems to play better there. And at Alabama, 
I look at the schedule for Auburn based off history, based off the way they played. It's, it seems like Auburn could actually make a run at this if they get the quarterback play you're talking about. I, I agree 100% with you, man. Yeah, I, I think they could. Um, I think if they have good quarterback play, I think that would translate in the first week. And um, I do think Deshaun Watson's going to cause a lot of problems defensively just because he's so good. But I think if the quarterback that play is good. Um, I think uh, we could uh, we could put up points with Clemson and uh, possibly win that game. I think. Well, you got Quinn. You got to look. It's a night game, and one thing people don't don't factor in with is is how good Johnson, how good Auburn's defensive line is going to be. I mean, there, there's no question if 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 Carl Lawson stays healthy. There's no question with the big man in the middle up there if he's healthy, but the crowd and being able to get first downs. If, if Auburn's defensive line and crowd can, can slow down Watson enough where Auburn can get some points, this is, I mean, this, this could be a, a big upset early in the year, but would it be really an upset to you, Jonathan? If, if Auburn beat Clemson, say, 27-24, would you really think that was an upset in Auburn? Based off the amount of football yeah. you've watched in your life, is that an upset? Well, yeah, um, I would. And just from the standpoint of, I mean, I know I'm. A, you, you're gonna call me an ACC homer after this, but you know how I feel about the rest of my conference. Um, I think Clemson's damn good, and I think it starts with the fact that they got a left tackle and they got a quarterback, and they're both pretty damn good. You know, they've they got skill position players. I mean, you have Artavis Scott and all them. I, I know, you know, Mike Williams comes back. Uh, you know, I know they're wideouts, you know, actually, you know, one of them personally. You know, obviously Clemson defensively has to replace a lot. You know, uh, both defensive ends, Mackenzie Alexander. You know, I mean, they 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 got a mess to go through on defense. But I still believe that Clemson is one of the better teams in college football going into this year because they have uh, offensively, they have every position covered, and they've been recruiting pretty well defensively. Uh, and, and that also has something to do with, not for nothing, but Auburn last year, Clemson last year, I'm going to carry it over. Because at least we know we're going to have uh, at, at certain positions that where it matters as far as Clemson goes. With Auburn, damn, y'all found, if y'all found a quarterback yet, are you going to be using a former uh, four-string Florida State or two? You never know, man. I mean, that's the thing about football. You don't. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. Clemson last year would have been nothing without a quarterback. That would have been mm-hmm. the average team. But if you can get a quarterback to step in and that John Franklin the third, he's going to be the quarterback, or I would play Woody Barrett, the freshman. So I would play a true freshman if I had to. I wouldn't bring yeah. Sean White or Jeremy Johnson near the stadium. I wouldn't even let him dress out. Yeah, you talk about that Florida State four stinker. For Stringer, he could be Auburn's starting QB and be pretty damn good because he fits right into Melvin's system. And that's who I want to yeah. start. I want to see what he has. Mm-hmm. I hope Malzahn names him the starter because he's like the Nick well, Marshall. If you, see, if you see Jeremy Johnson coming out there, you know it's going to be a 6-6 six six season. But what did you think, Jonathan, about Gus Malzahn getting an extension? Um Played very bad. Hasn't done anything in the SEC in the last two years. Um, it's just been bad. I mean, if you think about it, ever since 2013, Auburn's been 
very disappointing. They opened up the initial rankings in 2014 as the as the number they were in the the top four for the playoff. Remember that? And then they just kind of mm-hmm. went downhill a little bit. Do you think an extension was due warranted, or do you really think it even matters? Because I think Auburn will fire you anyway. They show them they'll give you an extension and then fire you the next year. They could care less. Yeah, when I saw the news of the extension, it, it made me tilt my head. I, I will admit, I got confused. Um, I actually talked to a couple people about <laughs> it, and the, the conversations we had was, what, what, what are they smoking there, and how can I get some? It's recruiting. Um, it's yeah. all about recruiting. Oh, oh, yeah, of course. And that's that's the conversation that we, we wound up having was, well, how well do you think it does for recruiting? And you stop and you think for a minute, and you go, you know, if you don't recruit, and you know your coach is locked in for, let's like, say, another four years, you're feeling pretty good that he's going to be with you for another four years, especially at a school like Auburn, Alabama, where, you know, you're not going to – Florida State, you're not going to hop. You know, I'm not – you know, I'm not looking for another job unless maybe NFL, but I doubt it once you get to that level. So, um, you know, I thought – you know, I agreed that it made sense, um, and I'm pretty sure there's something in there where the buyout's considerably low. So they don't have to worry about if they want to fire him. Here's a million dollars. You're going away. So it, it intrigued me, but it made sense. Uh, you know, we've seen other programs do it. You know, at the end of the day. So I think your athletic director made a, a smart move. Yeah, when, um and I've said it all along. And you, you can honestly, you know, when Chizik was time to get fired, I told you, hey, Chizik needs to go. I don't think Gus Malzahn's lost the team. He he's recruiting top ten talent every single year, and Jonathan, yeah. I feel comfortable. Jonathan Quinn, I feel comfortable that Gus Malzahn is the coach because if you get rid of him, who are you going to bring in? You've got a whole team for a system built for several years. Just since it's like 2009, you've really had this system in place. Are you just going to throw a monkey wrench at it now when you're getting the best talent? I think the the problem is quarterback. If Jeff Malzahn feels like he has a quarterback, Auburn can be deadly this year. I'm telling you, if they get some play out of their quarterback. But I'm happy yeah. about the extension, but I know it doesn't really mean anything, Quinn. It's just recruiting. That's all it, that's all it is. Yeah, I didn't understand it. I thought that they were going to give him an extension. They should have waited to see how the season played out because I really think Gus has to win at least eight games this year because – I mean, there's really yeah. no, there's really no excuse to to go what they had the past two years. I mean, they have top ten talent, but yet you win, uh, you go seven and six and eight and five. That's inexcusable. Yeah. Especially if they're getting to the national job. championship. They what's going to say Gus's job is eight wins plus not getting embarrassed by either Georgia or Alabama at the end. Because remember, at the end of the year, that's where the magnifying glass is. And if you, you lose to your in-state rival by 30 points, you're probably going to get fired. Because if, if it looks like you've lost your team. Well, last year, if you remember, Jonathan Auburn scrapped with Alabama. I mean, they, that was a yeah. great football game until roided up Henry took the ball 45 times, and there's really nothing you can do about it. Yeah, and then they down. beat a Memphis team that was favored in the game over them and dominated them defensively. So, Jonathan, looking at often the way they ended the season, you can't really say, you know, that Gus lost his team. It looked like they started to improve, especially on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, yeah. 
I agree. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, I, I do think that the team showed improvement throughout the year. You know, everybody saw it and went, well, they they have a quarterback problem, don't they? Yes, they do. Jeremy Johnson ain't supposed yep. to Jeremy Johnson that we thought he was going to be. And Sean White, and well, think, who the hell is Sean White? And you think about it, Auburn went 6-6 six and six with that, with no quarterback play at all. Yeah, I mean, you think about that. You get a quarterback in there that shows defense, that's eight or nine wins right there. And that's the magic number for Gus Malzahn this year. Looking at that schedule, yeah. looking at the home games, looking at the road games, you've got to come out with at least eight or nine wins, and you have to not well, lose. You have to keep it respectful. I'm going to say, let me yeah. ask, because we saw it happen last year with Mark Rick. People forget that Georgia team won like 10 games last year. He got fired. Now, granted, it's because Mark Rick is one of two head coaches in college football to lose to Treon Harris twice. The other one is Derek Mason at Vanderbilt. I mean, he lost to Treon Harris twice. Treon Harris, we didn't even play quarterback no more. Anyways, uh, you know, uh, you have, I mean, you really you feel you have to avoid the embarrassing loss. So you have to be competitive with Alabama. Uh, I mean, do you think you have to be competitive with Georgia, beat Georgia? I mean, what, what, what would be your idea of an embarrassing loss minus whatever non-conference scrub you're playing like Alabama A&M? Like in conference, what would be embarrassing this year for, for y'all? Usually by two scores to Georgia. It depends on how good. What if Georgia's a, a seven and three team when they play them and they lose by three touchdowns, or they play Alabama and they lose by three touchdowns? Something like embarrassing. That's embarrassing in a way. Now if you're oh, you, you lose to Georgia twenty-seven twenty-four and they're good, and you you lost a touchdown game at Tuscaloosa. Your team's still mm-hmm. fighting, and Jonathan, you know when your team's fighting. You can lose a game by three touchdowns, and your team still be fighting, and it came apart the last two minutes of the ball game. This all yeah. depends on what Jay Jacob thinks the team looks like on the field. Have they quit? Are they getting better? Because you keep bringing in top ten talent year in and year out. These coaches are pretty good. Let's, let's not let's not get it wrong. The problem Auburn's had the last two years is. The quarterback, really. Or the schedule was 2014. That was the problem. The schedule finally got Auburn. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, the la- last year the problem, guys, was Jeremy Johnson was overrated. Auburn came in as a top three team in the country, predicted to win the SEC in Heisman. And, and when you have expectations like that, you're set up to fail. I mean, especially when you go into overtime with Jacksonville State, I think, I think the fact that Gus Malzahn won six games last year should tell you how good of a coach he was, Jonathan. That's what I'm trying to say. That with a quarterback play as atrocious as it was, the blocking is as atrocious as it was, the fact that we still we, we went on the road and beat A and M, you know, we won a bowl game against a team we were you know, Memphis was a pretty good team last year. So what I'm saying mm-hmm. is let's give him a quarterback and let's see what Gus can do. And now, if Gus gets a yeah. good quarterback and he loses, just like in 2014, that's a problem. That Auburn team quit for some of the year in 2014 with a quarterback, but they came back in the Iron Bowl and 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 won, almost won the game. But Jonathan, you remember two years ago when Auburn went to Georgia and lost like 34 to seven? They they scored on the first possession, and then Georgia scored like 34 more in a row. Yeah, that's the yeah. type of embarrassing loss that's gonna. That's what will cost Gus Malzahn's job this year. That's what happens, especially if there's something on the line. Yeah, well, I would okay. say the most embarrassing conference loss would be Auburn plays Vanderbilt this year. So if Auburn lost to Vanderbilt, 
Yeah, it's over. That would that that would be embarrassing. Uh, we're going to talk some Florida State next. We'll we'll talk about them in our next show. But let's touch on some baseball real quick. Jonathan's homeless mm-hmm. mouth. Uh, let's talk about that before we go here. Um, any surprises in the in the National League, Jonathan? We have Washington leading the East. We have Chicago with forty three and eighteen record, and the Central mm-hmm. just killing it right now. And the Giants, no surprise to me, winning out West. I mean, any surprises in the West or the National League right now? Uh, looking at National League, uh, looking at teams that uh, are, in, are supposed to be contenders or uh, or are contenders right now, um, the Cardinals are surprising me a little bit because they, um, they're they not playing as well as I thought. Um, I don't know whether it's age um because it's pretty much the same team that won 100 games last year. So trying to figure out what's going on in St. Louis. But for the most part, the National League's being written as we wrote it. You know, going into the year, we all said, here's your list of contenders. Here's your list of people who want to be contenders, but ain't, and they're teams that suck. Well, right now, it's, that's how it's going. I mean, the Phillies, I guess, were a surprise for a while, but now the Phillies are being the Phillies. I mean, they, they lost on a, a walk-off to the Nationals today. Uh, so I, I think honestly, while looking at it, uh, the National League's going as we wrote her, and she's she's going quite well. Yep, yeah. and they they it's looking just like chalk. I mean, it's like it's just easy to to predict the National League and the American League. We have Baltimore and Boston tied for first. Cleveland number one in the Central by three games. The Rangers looking great, up five games in the West. So I mean. You look at baseball. You, I really don't pay attention to baseball much. We don't even go after the all-star break because you can't predict this stuff, man. You can't predict who's going to win the World Series. There's no way in hell you can predict this stuff with the amount of the wild cards in it and everything like that. So, Quinn, your Chicago White Sox, 31-32. and 32. They're doing a little better than my Braves over here. So congratulations. Yeah. The White Sox have, fall, have fallen apart. Oh, yeah. They, but I was kind of expecting it, mainly because Robin Ventura isn't that good of a manager. Um, the talent's there, but, you know, just not that good of a manager. So it really didn't uh, you surprise me that they've fallen apart. You got Cleveland, Kansas City, and Detroit in that division, too. That's that's pretty tough. Yeah. Have to fight in that kind of division. So I mean, you know, losing three out of ten is not. I mean, winning seven out of ten is not that bad, John. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the White Sox they had a great start to the year. They they look like this was going to be a team that um, was going to make a run, and then the wheels fell off, and it was a couple of injuries. Uh, they're also in a division where this might actually be the year where Cleveland makes some noise. Detroit's hanging around. Their 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 pitching starting to come around a little bit. Kansas City's lost eight in a row. I I don't know what's going on with them, but they got to figure it out. I mean, you want to talk about two teams that have surprised me this year, Kansas City and Houston, who I, I think everybody Kansas has City's lost guys, eight in a row. Kansas City's lost eight in a row. No, oh, they, they beat the White Sox two times in a row. Oh, did they beat, yeah. did they beat them today? Well, yeah, they beat them today, yeah. three to one. There you go, twice in a row. So it's so yeah. so yeah you're right they had eight in a row they lost until they beat Chicago twice so so I was I wasn't paying attention to those games because well I mean I do not like the, the South side yeah no, nobody can give me an answer on this I want to ask you a question you just tell me what you think how did Chicago come how did they turn it around so fast 
Oh, well, that, I, I, can answer that e- I can answer that easily. Um, no, the, shut up, shut up. Wait, well, okay, all right. Well, not manager, but management, yeah. Yeah, I said uh, management. Yeah, yeah Ep- Epstein and Hoyer, wonderful. Mainly Epstein, let's, let's be honest. Hoyer is, you know, essentially his assistant. What they did was they said, let's build to the draft. Well, how are we going to build something that we know can be sustainable? Well, how about we build a great lineup? So they drafted Chris Bryant, who was the best hitter uh, the year he came out. You drafted a guy like Anthony Rizzo. Uh, you, you trade Samarja and you get Addison Russell. Uh, you know, I mean, you went out and you acquired Dexter Fowler for nothing. Uh, you, you got Solaire. You got out. I mean, their farm system is something of a dream, at least offensively. And I've been watching it for a while, and, and it was just let's wait and see when this explodes. And there was a belief amongst myself and some of my friends, Rick Renteria should have never been fired, but when Chicago, when the Cubs said, hey, we can get uh, Joe Dummy Madden, we're going to go ahead and get the idiot from Tampa. So they went ahead and grabbed him. I think any manager with the half a brain on his head could have won with this team because this lineup is just dangerous. Pitching-wise, I mean, Arietta figured it out. Uh, in all reality, his figuring out was he got away from Baltimore, who was trying to tell him how to pitch when – I mean, a pitcher knows how to throw the ball. Let's be honest. It might not be textbook perfect, but they know how to throw it. And, and all of a sudden, Arietta's told, just pitch how you want to pitch. He's a Cy Young candidate. They won 23 of his starts in a row uh, at one point. You have John Lester, who's been good for them. Jason Hamill's had a resurgence. You know, the Cubs have done an excellent job of buying low, and these guys turning out great. They've done, and Theo Epstein, is, I mean, here's, here's my thing. If Epstein can win the World Series with the Cubs, and he already got two with the Red Sox, and he essentially built that third team. There is no way that they, there should not be a statue of him in them cities. I mean, this guy has done a magnificent job of building an amazing ball club in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're the class of Chicago. And, and Quinn, I know it pains you to, to hear that you being a White Sox fan, but that, that Chicago Cubs team looks like they're going to be, they could be the World Series winner this year. I mean, that's how good this team is. They've got it all. Well, I know there's something like the team with the best record in baseball in the regular season uh, uh, hasn't won the World Series in recent years. I don't go, I don't go off Since that 2009. With, it's since 2009. The Yankees won in 2009. That's witchcraft. That's witchcraft. Yeah. Man. I, I'm with Brian on that. I mean, yeah, every once in a while, there are teams where you're like, yeah, they're going to burn it all up. I mean, the 2001 Seattle Mariners won 116 games, which is a record. They got bumped out early. And there is a history of 100-win teams getting bumped out early in the playoffs. There's no doubt about that. Granted, they go up against some darn good teams. I mean, that's the thing. Once you get to the playoffs in baseball, usually you got four pretty darn good teams going at it. It's a five-game series. Anything can happen. So, you know, I, you know, Cardinals won 100 last year, lost to the Cubs. Cubs won like 98. I mean, the best team in baseball lost to the team with the second, lost to the second best team. I mean, come on. You know, so I think the whole record thing is a little wiggly. We haven't seen a team to start this year as dominant as the Cubs in a very long time. And to go back on how the Cubs are building, the Braves are doing the complete opposite, if you will. They've built the best farm system for pitching. It is absolutely amazing what the Braves have done. I'm telling you, take your time, you Atlanta fans. Breathe. It's going to take a year yep. or two. But here's the, here's the thing. 
you're going to have like eight to ten prospects probably come up the end of this year. You're going to see them pitch. You're going to see them hit and go, oh, my goodness. These guys look great. You guys traded and got the top pick in the draft last year. He's already in double A. It's amazing. San Diego got screwed, didn't they? Atlanta just dumped these people <laughs> on San Diego, and man, they just they just got screwed. Where where how how's how's those players doing right now, Jonathan? That, that the Braves gave away and got, and that's what I've been telling people about the Braves. I was like, guys, pretty soon it's going to be. I think by the end of this year, you're going to start seeing an improvement in Atlanta. Like in the next next year in their new stadium, mm-hmm. that's where it's all going to begin. That's where it's really going to uh-huh. start. But I mean, but here's here's my problem with Atlanta. They they get a player like that that's real good. They'll trade him for nothing. I mean, just say, okay, we're not gonna pay you. We're gonna get rid of you. And all of a sudden, they they just oh, they suck again. How how much more time is it gonna be before we're the Braves of the '90s again? You think? Well, you know, and I, I posted there was an interview with John Coppola, who's the general manager of the Atlanta Braves. Um, and, and in that interview, he he talked about certain things and. Uh, he's somebody who was part of the four World Series champions of the Yankees in the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, now, what John said was, here's the thing. The winningest team in the, two, in, the, in the first decade of the 2000s was the Atlanta Braves. The winningest team in the 90s, the Atlanta Braves. From 1987 to 2013, no team won more regular season games. Granted, only one title. And he understands that. He mentioned that. He goes, here's the thing, though. After 20 years, the wheels are going to fall off. He said, we looked at it and saw we had the worst minor league system in baseball, so you can't trade none of your young guys to get more to get uh, older talent because ain't nobody wants your young guys. You looked at it and said, Jason Hayward's going to walk in free agency. We can't afford to pay him $220 million. And not for nothing, but the Cubs will tell you right now, he ain't worth no $220 million. That man is terrible right now. Uh, they looked at Justin Upton and said, mm-hmm. he's going to walk. And Justin, everybody knew Justin was going to go to free agency. He wasn't going to stay nowhere. So you traded him. You got guys. You raided San Diego's farm system. That was an, that was an embarrassment of riches and what they did. Um, <laughs> so you, you 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 get Tyrell for Hayward, uh, and I want to say they got somebody else in that deal. But Tyrell's who I remember, and he's going to be up this year. You trade up and you trade you trade Kimbrel. Kimbrel's a great closer. Here's the thing about closers: their arms will go. You know, Kimbrough's been throwing 99 for eight years. Sooner or later, the elbow might go. And he's been in Boston this year, and he's struggling a little. But so you, you trade with San Diego get Matt Weisler. Matt Weisler's probably the best pitcher in your staff right now, and this is only his second year in the league. He's like 23. And Weisler's been fantastic. You call Arizona and say, hey, we'll take that salary dump if you send us your first-round pick. Done. You get Tuki Toussaint, who looks really good. Then you trade them Shelby Miller. Who, that's who you got back in the Hayward deal as well, Shelby Miller. You trade them Shelby Miller, who's been a gas can for them this year. I want to say his ERA is six. You get the first pick in the draft in Danzy Swanson, plus some other prospects. This rebuild job, Atlanta has a top five farm system now. It only took them two years. I'm telling you, patience, two, the end of this year, you're going to see it. Next year, you're going to see it. 2017 should be a good year. I would say 2017, barring these kids coming up and lighting the world on fire, you're going to finish close to 500. 2018, I'm afraid of Atlanta. I think 2018 to 2023, the Braves should be a, 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 you know, in a league of their own as far as the class goes. They'll be battling the Cubs every year and teams that elk. And this all goes back to what Kansas City and Houston did. 
Trust the process. Rebuild, and you will win. Kansas City, it took them a while, but they got a ring. Houston made the playoffs last year, and they drafted first four years in a row. Just trust it. Johnson, you're going to have to come to Atlanta. You're going to have to come to Atlanta and go to a game with me in this new stadium. Oh, oh, definitely, definitely. I'll, I'll definitely be up uh, that year, definitely for that. My, you know, my, my mother happens to be a huge fan of Atlanta, so she's been trying to get me to come up there whenever I can while she's up there for business. Yeah, Quinn, you can. The invitation is open. Quinn, are you coming to the Auburn Clemson game? Yeah, we're gonna have to meet up. Yeah, I'm. It's just what times you you come. I I haven't been able to come, but we'll probably I'll probably be at that game. I, I, I'm one of those people now, and guys, I, I really like watching games from the top of the because, because what happens when you get off on the road, you go to those games, and you miss the whole entire day. So what sucks is if you travel to watch your game play, they lose, and you miss all of the college football. But, and it's, there's nothing like an atmosphere that you're going to see at Jordan-Hare Stadium that night at 9 o'clock Eastern. So. But tonight, game yeah. six, Pittsburgh, San Jose, Jonathan. San Jose stole one on the road in Pittsburgh. They come back to their underdogs in game six. I like San Jose to force a game seven tonight in the NHL. Yeah, uh, I I can't stand Pittsburgh. So, go Sharks. Uh, I do think they win tonight. I do think we get a game seven. Uh, It's been a pretty darn good series. In all honesty, it might be some of the best hockey I've seen uh, all year. I'm growing up. I'm talking about hockey. I'm talking about baseball. I'm talking <laughs> politics. I'm talking terrorism. Quinn, I mean, we do it all on this show, right? I mean, we talk it all. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. We've done softball. Yeah. Yeah, then uh, Auburn Tigers were great. They, mm-hmm. they just lost to the better I think Oklahoma, the difference between Auburn and Oklahoma is Auburn's a pitch-to-contact team. Oklahoma's not. And I think if Auburn's going to be dominant in the future, they need that shutdown pitcher. But I want to make one thing before we go right quick. Um, I don't think you should be able to pitch a pitcher as much as Oklahoma did, Jonathan. They threw her like a 1,000 pitches. And, I mean, they didn't pitch anybody else from the regional, super regional, until game two of the final. I mean – is that that's almost abuse right there for someone? I know it's underhanded softball, but that takes a lot out of you physically pitching that many games. Shame on you, Oklahoma. Well, my my rebuttal to that is, if she said give me the ball, I'm gonna give her the ball. You know, <laughs> and I, that's 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 always been my belief. If a pitcher looks at me and says, "Give me the ball," okay. <laughs> take it, take the whole bucket. I don't care, you know. It, it, you want that mentality in a pitcher, you know. Like you know, the the ones who complain about getting pulled and, and you know, and teams making missed starts, those are the ones you want on your team, you know, because those are the ones where if it's game seven and you need three innings of relief, they're gonna say, "I know I threw yesterday, but my arm feels fine." No, it doesn't. My arm's fine. Okay, here's the ball. That's all you want. So, yeah, I mean, do I think that that should have been kept an eye on? Of course. You know, you're not allowed to do that in Little League no more, thank God. Uh, but, you know, I still have the belief of if you want it, you can get it. You know, I, I got faith in you. Got me, you got me this far. Who am I to say no to you now? 
Well, yeah, Quinn Myers might be the best coach that uh, Auburn has at their school for sports right now. He's Ooh, a heck of a he coach. He obviously knows how to turn a team around. I mean, Auburn went from, you know, it's steps, like I told people, you don't come, it's like Carolina Panthers. You don't go from two wins to the Super Bowl. You, you get to the playoffs, mm-hmm. you learn how to lose. You get to the NFC Championship, or close to that, you lose. You make it to the Super Bowl, you lose. Now you win. So Offer never made a World Series before. They made it last year to the semis. They lost. Now they made it to the yeah. championship. Really one inning away at that loss. So I think that's true in life, guys. You just don't go from worst to first usually. I mean, you really have to, to get mm-hmm. there and done that. I think Auburn, Auburn got a lot of pressure in that series. Um there's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. on them never being in a championship, but they, they played well. I'm proud of them, man. That was great. All the eight teams that were in there could have won that, that World Series. We know that. Um, yeah. That's why I love watching that World Series. That's why I like watching it. And just mm-hmm. tell it if anybody's game, whoever's on that day. But, guys, we'll try to do a show this week. If not, we'll do one Sunday for sure. You guys have a good week. I've got to get off here. My wife's screaming at me, so I need to go. <laughs> Oh, what the message right. says goes. I'm joking. I'm joking. She's not. But I do have some things to take care of. But, guys, Quinn, Jonathan, thanks for joining us. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon. God bless. Sounds right. good, guys.